This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So let me tell you, this week on the Paracast, we had hoped to have Albert Rosales talking about humanoids and all his years of investigation. Unfortunately, at the last minute, he tells us he has a family emergency, and of course, families come first. So we hope he'll be here in December. Meantime, Chris O'Brien is here, back from Thailand. We're also joined by Paul Kimball, who has been a very good friend over the years. In fact, we've begun to post content from the Other Side of Truth podcasts and some videos over at the Paracast Plus, in case you haven't joined. So we'll talk about that later. Meantime, Paul, welcome back to the Paracast. Yeah, welcome back, Paul. Thanks for uh, the last-minute uh, <laughs> uh, addition uh, to our, our show here. No worries. It was either this or go see Shakespeare on the screen, silver screen tonight, so uh, so I went with this. Yeah. We can now say we're more important than Shakespeare. You can say that. I'm not sure it's true, but you can you can say you can say that. I guess for tonight you're you're more important than Shakespeare. And no, Chris, I haven't seen the arrival yet. I, I don't actually go to see a lot of films in theaters anymore. The Shakespeare series is part of a screening series my producing partner puts on at a local art gallery in a university here. But I generally try and stay out of the theaters as much as possible. I just don't enjoy the experience anymore. You don't like the crowds and the popcorn. Yeah, and it's a terrible comment for somebody in my business to make, but the truth is you can eventually see any film you want at home, sitting in the comfort, so you can pause it, go use the washroom, get food, go take a drive, whatever. Yeah, I the older I get, the less I like, not people, just crowds. So I always wind up with somebody sitting behind me kicking my seat or somebody looking at their, their cell phone or whatever, three rows in front of me or or whatever. So, you know, I'll probably go see The Arrival in the theater because it's one of those big budget films you should see in a theater. I'll probably do it when I figure it's the last week of its run. You know, Doctor Strange, same thing, because I'm a superhero fan. And when the new Star Wars movie comes out, I'll, I'll wait until it's well into its run. So at least the crowds are down a bit. And <laughs> go see, a, you know, the early show, the, the matinee. When you have probably less people. Yeah, I, I would do that too, except I always find it really weird to walk into a film when it's light and come out when it's light. It doesn't freak me out. It's just a very odd experience. I've, my mind has trouble going from light to dark to light again. So I'm, I'm just a very strange person when it comes to going to... I'm very particular. I'm very persnickety, as they say, when it comes to seeing films. It didn't used to be this way, but I don't know. I find people are less civil, even here in Canada, you know, we're supposed to be civil. I, I just find people are less civil now in public, and the less time I spend in public, usually the better. This is in advance of being a hermit. Pretty much. I'll be Ted Kaczynski without the bombs. What was the name of the guy who wrote that song, Everybody's Talking, that Nilsson sang? And he was a hermit. He'd come out every few years with more songs. Not sure, but I appreciate, the, the older I get, the more I appreciate 
I don't know about hermits. I just appreciate the idea of living in a nice little hobby farm somewhere about 30 minutes from the city where I don't have people yelling crack whore outside my my house at three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I have, which I really happened this past week and I had to call the police and as, oh, did, no. as, as did many of my neighbors. And then last night there was a, a murder five blocks from my house. Somebody got shot sitting in a car. So, you know, Jeez. things that generally speaking don't happen if you have a nice little hobby farm and a very big so, German shepherd. So much for kind and genteel Canada. Well, Halifax is a port city, so I think there is something of a bit of a drug war going on here now. So the the murder was on my sort of nightly walking route, and I wasn't out walking because I generally don't do that anymore because you don't want to be caught in a crossfire or or have something strange happen. I almost got run over the other night. Literally, if I had been five seconds ahead of where I was, I would have been run over in a crosswalk by a stolen car that plowed into the side of a bus. And so I was a witness to a crime, but... I would have been a victim of a crime, and I was five seconds away from that. So, you know, you sort of go, these things just don't happen on a country lane. The worst possible thing that could happen is I get eaten by a coyote or something. Yeah, that's what I thought when I moved to Camp Verde here. You know, I came down the hill from Sedona, and gosh, it was um, a lover's quarrel, two teenagers. She shot him, killed him, and then killed herself. And then some Indian from the res that's right, you know, just up the hill from me, was in a card game and got in a hassle with one of his card game partners and uh, knifed him to death and then uh, ended up trying to burn his torso in a burn barrel two houses away. (laughs) Bizarre. People have spent far too much time watching shows like Breaking Bad, which I actually enjoyed. But, you know, I I don't know what it is, but we just there's a coarsening of our society around us. And as soon as I say that, I start to sound like some Eisenhower Republican from the 50s who would go, I don't like what these kids are listening to. You know, this hippie stuff. Well, it's Grand Theft Auto and just this terrible, violent video games as as well. They're being desensitized. And, of course, they live in the age of the Bush Wars and... You know, I've just been watching Oliver Stone's Secret History or the Unspoken History of the United States, and it just brings back some real um, real horrific stuff that, you know, you kind of try to inure yourself to the facts of, you know, how this country especially gets involved uh, in imperialism and, and stuff uh, overseas. And, and, and this stuff that does kind of, you know, flow, flow down the river and the vast majority of people aren't aware of, of you know, what really goes on behind the scenes. And I, I think we're seeing blowback culturally from, you know, we're being desensitized to people suffering, to we're losing compassion, empathy, uh, things that Americans, you know, from generations were known for. And unfortunately, uh, it's starting to spread up there, too. <laughs> yeah, or maybe it started here and it. No, that's not true. It didn't start no. here and it's spreading. We're just no. we're just a kinder, gentler people, I think. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe not. There was an article out today from Alberta where a member of the legislative assembly there, which is kind of like our state government, so right. be like a state representative, stood up a, f- a woman who had been running for the leader of one party, left that race because of the harassment she was getting, joined the governing party, which is a left of center party. And the premier is a woman, too. So you have a new MLA and the premier, both women. And she read out in the House the list of things that she had received via email after she left her old party, which was a conservative party, and joined the uh, new Democratic Party. And it's appalling. And usually the Speaker of the House would stop, you know, say, you can't read that language here. But they let her go because they thought it was important to get it on the record. And I thought, dear God, these people hiding behind anonymous Internet 
handles who are saying these kinds of things and harassing yeah. people online. Th- this has to stop. But, I, you know, I don't actually know how you make it stop. So, yeah, we so can anyway, always boy, turn off a, the Twitter and can turn off the Facebook. That's another way of stopping it. But this also goes back to the early days of Usenet, the Internet news group. Most of them were mm-hmm. unmoderated and you can say any darn thing you want. That was it. I remember in those days, I actually worked for AOL as a paid forum leader. I made a really great salary. Would that happen today? But in any case, I remember writing books about AOL and then going into these Usenet areas. And then somebody starts screaming and yelling at me, writing all sorts of things. And I would respond with facts and figures and just try to have an argument with them in a civil fashion. And he said, no, that's not the way it works. I flame you, you flame me. Now, everybody even, does even it now. Even back then, they were getting the whole routine dialed in, huh? That's where it started. <laughs> you see what happened yeah. as the Internet spread to everyone? We all misbehave now. Speak for yourself. I, I really do attempt, when at all possible, and, and that's 99% of the time to, to take the high road. But, you know, I'll just pretty much ignore you know, the blatant sort of troll trolls and, you know, people that are just looking to pick fights or, you know, and I, I don't unfriend people because, you know, they have different political beliefs that I do or different cultural sort of leanings. You know, I, I, I find that the Internet, unfortunately, does kind of create an echo chamber and it does tend to, I think people tend to sort of unfriend people or, or ignore people that uh, may not agree with them. So, you, you know, you have this giant sort of echo chamber going on. And, and um, to, to me, it's ver- for something that's so inclusive and, 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 it's, and it's so pervasive now in our culture, you would think it would be bringing people together. But what, it, what it's actually doing, it's pushing people apart. We'll talk about more of this and actually about the paranormal. We've got Paul Kimball and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's l-e-m-k-e soft.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved 
loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-848-6333. That's 800-848-6333. non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Paul Kimball is here, and I should mention once again that he's nice enough to give us some of his Other Side of Truth content audio and video, and I believe he's taped a new episode of Other Side of Truth that'll be up at the Paracast Plus real soon now. And if you want to hear that, and also the After the Paracast podcast, the commercial-free version of this show, all that good stuff, you have to join the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. We start at four ninety nine a month. Our price cheap. We're talking here about the fact that people just don't get along anymore online. And the other thing that goes with that, and this can begin to relate to our paranormal universe just because of getting accurate information, is this fake news phenomenon where people just make up things and they get them online and then somebody sees it and somebody retweets it or spreads it on Facebook and soon 
everybody's talking about it. They're talking about it on TV news. Politicians are talking about it. And it's just a complete lie. It goes back to the early days you'd read in the supermarket tabloids that somebody is married to an alien. And nobody took it seriously. But now, you know, where does the fantasy begin in reality? What's your take on this, Paul? Well, yeah, it's all sort of a fantasy. I mean, look, I don't want to get particularly political, so I'll, I'll split both the left and right here. You know, you've just elected a president of the United States that is the least qualified person to hold that job, or will be when he gets in, I think, in American history. And as an historian, I think I have a better grasp of history than most of the people that voted for Mr. Trump. But you know what? He's an empty suit. So the same is true in Canada, though. We elected a liberal prime minister, well, a liberal government, of which the leader becomes prime minister, Justin Trudeau, who is a drama teacher, and his apparently his sole qualification for being prime minister is he's the son of Pierre Trudeau, who was a long-serving Canadian prime minister in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So he didn't have a record of accomplishment, uh, really, certainly not in the private sector, but not even in the, pu- not in the public sector either. So you start to see these kinds of things happen where it almost becomes an in ufology or in paranormal research. There, I just, that was a Bill Clinton pivot there. You sort of see the same thing where people don't seem to respect experience and education and accomplishment as much as previous generations would. And I think to some degree, the internet's responsible for this. The internet's a good thing and a lot of good can come out of it. But There's this, I don't want to call it a dumbing down because I still think there are an awful lot of smart people, but it's almost like a leveling. You work in this world where everybody's opinion is equal, to which I would say, no, it's not. An informed opinion, an educated opinion is better, carries more weight than one that is not. So, for example, I can offer an opinion on space travel. And it's probably better and more educated than some opinions. But it is also not as educated and not as valid as the opinions that people that work at NASA, for instance, might have, because that's what they do for a living. And I respect that. So, you know, I'm not going to start talking about the science of interstellar travel, for instance. The same thing is true of, and this is bedeviled ufology in particular, for decades. The same thing is true of interviewing people. And I've written about this back when I used to write about these things, and maybe I cared a bit more about it, but I kind of gave up. But I was a graduate student in history and trained in interviewing people through my legal training, but also my historical training. They teach courses at a grad level in something called oral research methodology, more or less how to interview. The Studs-Turkle way of getting stories out of people. Ufology is in particular, full of people that have none of that training, none of that understanding. They don't understand how to ask questions, what, what are the right questions to ask, maybe what are the wrong questions to ask, what are, how to structure an interview. So a lot of the things that I think are, are problematic in ufology throughout the last, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, starting, say, Roswell, for instance, if you look at the interviews originally conducted by Uncle Stan, you know, I, I love Stan Friedman, but, you know, he had a great training in nuclear physics. He had no training in how to interview people. So I respect that he knows more about nuclear physics than I do. He should have respected back then that somebody like me would know more about how to interview people, how to do historical research, how to do that kind of field work in oral research. And he should have engaged one of those people. And I would say the same thing to Kevin Randall. I would say the same thing to any of those folks, because none of them had that training. So, But everybody thinks that they're equal, right? And that's the mistake. Not everybody is equal. 
different people have different talents. Different people have different skills. Different people have different training. So pick those people that have the training and the skills and the talent and the that relate to what you're doing and engage them. And don't engage or don't listen to the people who don't have those things, but went ahead and did it anyway. So that, that to me, has always been the biggest problem with UFO research. Now, if you want to talk about UFO theorizing, which is a totally different thing than, you know, five or six guys sitting down around a table who want to talk about whether they could be space aliens from Zeta Reticuli or God or, or whatever. Well, sure, that's all grist for the mill because that's opinion. So everybody can have an opinion. Some are more informed than others, but, it, you know, fine. But if you want to talk about actual research, and this is something, there was a question thread, not a question thread, but a thread, what's the point, I think, that one of your listeners, Ufology, put on the Paracast forms. And, you know, there was this discussion about the academic nature. Is ufology an academic pursuit? And the answer is is no, it's not. It never has been. There have been a few academics who have engaged in it, and there have been some self-taught people who have really taken it seriously and through experience and training and learning on the job have become very good at it. But the rules of academia, of academic study and research, have never applied to ufology. So if, if there's any academic nature to it, it's by chance and luck and not by some sort of rigorous methodology. And so that opens up a whole can of worms and messes and, and all that sort of stuff. I don't even know if that's that doesn't even answer your question. So sorry. <laughs> but, well, you raised another um, issue. It's very important. I wanted to bring up Kevin Randall only because I think he's trying. So, for example, in recent years, he's gone back to looking at original references to try to research older cases. And quite often when you read a book about UFOs and someone cites a particular case, what they're doing quite often is not looking at the original source, but another book. And that book goes to another book. And in each case, the book will summarize something, maybe spin the tale a little bit. And sometimes the original story from the original newspaper or the original Project Blue Book report or the original eyewitness report somewhere is very different and has details that may or may not give you a solution to that particular case. But just copying what somebody writes in a book is not research. Unintentional meme propagation. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's it's a type of research. I mean, everything builds upon everything else, right? So if you're doing studying the Second World War, then guys like A.J.P. Taylor and Hugh Trevor Roper were foundational historical researchers that were there early on. And then you would build on what they and change it and revise it and see where they went wrong or maybe where they went right. Paul, I have to break sure. here for a second. So let me just amplify that and then you can talk about it more. Well, that again is if you're going to go back to a source and use a source, it's not any old book. You'd be very careful about whose book or article you look at and see if these are researchers who are really dedicated and knowledgeable about doing the job properly. We've got more to come. With Gene, Chris, and Paul Kimball, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Don't know what contaminants are lurking in your water? Time to get a ProPure. Take advantage of ProPure's holiday sale. Save 25% on all ProPure water filter products. Sales good through December 31st. There's a ProPure water filter for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P R O P U R. 
usa.com. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. Hi, my name is Stephen Holstein. In my 20s, I abused stimulants and anabolic steroids to the point where my adrenal glands were shot. I suffered from extreme fatigue and an inability to handle stress. For over six years, I had been taking adrenal supplements including herbs, glandulars, vitamin C, and vitamin B5. All these supplements did was treat the symptoms and produced only minimal results. Now, just after one month on Synergy One and ADR Medics, I truly feel rejuvenated. I have never felt such relaxation before from any adrenal supplement as I did just 10 minutes after taking ADR Medics. I then noticed Synergy One made me wake up rested and with much more energy. No more hungover, groggy feeling upon arising. I had almost considered going to another country for stem cell therapy as a last resort, but now I truly feel rejuvenated on Synergy One and ADR Medics. Success happens with Synergistic Nutrition. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Back pain doesn't take vacations. It never celebrates holidays. It's on the job 24-7 to keep your life exactly where it is, in limbo. But it doesn't have to be that way because Laser Spine Institute can help you take back your life from chronic neck and back pain. With a less than one-inch incision, our minimally invasive procedures have provided relief to over 60,000 patients with a 97% patient satisfaction rate. So get ready to stand tall and live the life you've imagined for yourself without pain. Are you or a loved one suffering from a bulging disc? herniated disc, spinal stenosis, pinched nerve, or degenerative disc disease? Call our spine care consultants now at 855-519-BACK. For a no-cost MRI review and to learn more, it's time to say goodbye to chronic neck and back pain. Call 855-519-BACK now to see if laser spine surgery is right for you. That's 855-519-BACK. What have you got to lose? Laser Spine Institute, the leader in minimally invasive spine surgery. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Paul Kimball was mentioning as we got into it about the value of doing research properly and to use the right sources 
And you mentioned, for example, if you're going to research World War II or the Civil War, you go back into recognized sources who did their research and use them and build your work upon their shoulders. Am I getting it here? Yes, exactly. So there's nothing wrong with quoting people and using their research to inform your own research and then maybe taking it in new and different directions. But there are there are good, for instance, historians and there are bad historians. So Hugh Trevor Roper made mistakes. A.J.P. Taylor made mistakes. You know, everybody makes mistakes, but they were reputable historians. I remember when I was studying history in the 1980s. There still is. He's still alive. An historian. And I use that in quotation marks called David Irving. You might be familiar with him. He's a Holocaust denier. Now, there was a time when David Irving, there's two things you can say about David Irving. No serious historian that I've ever heard of disputes that David Irving was a good researcher, that he could you know, go find details and facts, and he was a, a tireless digger, and so he could get information, no question. But that doesn't make him a good historian. And so what happened with David Irving is his personal beliefs, his bigotry, frankly, and hatred, colored his conclusions. So as a Holocaust denier, you know, you could look at his work and say he's found some interesting details, but his conclusions are worthless. Whereas with other historians, you would say, well, okay, their conclusions make more sense because they seem to be approaching it as objectively as possible. So there's good historians, there's bad historians. And the same thing is true of UFO researchers, not that they're Holocaust deniers, but when you find somebody, although there are some who are Holocaust deniers, um, which is one of those things that people don't like to talk about within ufology, sort of the far-right, um, anti-Semitic kind of undercurrent that is, has been in ufology for longer than we would care to admit. But there are some researchers that that generally try and take an objective take on things. I've had my disputes with Kevin Randall over the years, but more often than not, I think at least Kevin is trying. He doesn't always get there because he has a blind spot when it comes to Roswell still, but he's he tries. So full credit to Kevin in terms of trying to be as objective as he can possibly be. And nobody's perfectly objective. We all have our blind spots. But then there are other guys and, you know, we all know who they are. Some of them have been on your show over the years. Uh, I don't particularly like talking about any of them anymore. But, you know, Stephen Bassett is the perfect example. And Stephen Greer <laughs> and that group where they are not objective. So if you start quoting, for instance, I saw Paul Hellyer speak here in Halifax uh, about two months ago, I guess, maybe a month right, or two right. ago. And he was talking about politics. He was talking about the Canadian-European free trade deal, which is very odd because within 10 minutes, UFOs came up. So, so we're basically engaging in free trade of UFOs, something like that. Okay. But he was trying to make a point about you know the 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 sort of Freemason. I don't know what it is. The Freemasonry, lizard people, queen, whatever their global conspiracy is, that is somehow driving all of these trade deals. I, I guess that was his point. Somehow Area Fifty One came in or whatever. But he name dropped Stephen Greer. So there I am sitting in the audience. And to be fair, I didn't have to pay to get in. Nobody did. But you could see some people nodding their heads. Right? There were about sixty people there, and actually, you can see a lot of people nodding their heads. Well, they are an audience that is already predisposed, I guess, to believe Paul Hellyer. So all he's probably really doing is reinforcing their existing beliefs. But somewhere those existing beliefs came in. Somewhere they they decided that Paul Hellyer, who is relying on people like Stephen Greer for his information, is a credible source of information about UFOs and about trade deals and politics and everything, money policy. And as soon as somebody says to me, Stephen Greer, I go, I, I can't take you seriously. No matter what you're talking about, you could be talking about 
Star Wars and I can't take you seriously as a film critic because you quote Stephen Greer as a credible source of information. So that's just one of those things that drove me nuts about ufology because I came from an academic background and as much as possible when I made my films I tried to take an objective stance and present both sides of the story which is why nobody I ever interviewed from either say skeptic or believer ever really criticized my films, or at least the way they were treated in the film. So I could put Carl Flock on one side, and I could put Stan Friedman or Kevin Randall on the other side, and I did in more than one film, and all of them would say we were treated fairly. You gave us an opportunity to put our views out there, and then I would say to people, hey, make up your own mind. And occasionally I might say, here's what I think, but you know, my opinion is probably no more valid than yours if you watch this film because we're all coming from the same place. And that's always what I tried to do, but it frustrated me when I got involved in ufology to find out that there were very few people that took that sort of approach, on either side, frankly. I've been very yeah. critical of the believers, but it's it's also very true of the disbelievers. And somewhere in the middle, there's a smaller group of skeptical thinkers who keep an open mind. And those are the ones over the years I've gravitated to. Greg Bishop, Mac Tonys, Nick Redfern, and Aaron Gullius, who's an historian, teaches up in Michigan. You know, these are the kind of people that, that I've gravitated to, but it's a small group and it's getting smaller. My big yeah. problem with the way UFO research is today is that either people treat it as entertainment, which I guess it can be, or they're so accepting of everything, they've got the blinders on, that it gets difficult. And I don't want to attack the guy, but our guest last week, Jan Harzan, is a really, really nice guy. He's a real gentleman. And I think he's working hard to make MUFON more friendly to an online audience. They've got an ebook version of their journal after all these years of having it look like it came out of the Rotary Club or something. Really looks nice. And I guess he's trying to make a solid effort to attract younger people. But he doesn't discriminate enough against people with pretty wacky theories. You see this in the MUFON symposiums and you see this in the content online. And the problem with that is, with all the good intentions, if you allow that stuff to get in without criticism, in the end, it just hurts their efforts. They're not going anywhere. Well, it legitimizes it. And a lot of the information that's 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 on the internet, uh, for instance, um, because it is not vetted properly um as paul described i mean the internet is 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 really a sad example really to use but but a vast majority of what you see on the internet is absolute bunk every time i see a post and they've just been coming fast and furious um from the bassett crowd that obama is going to be the disclosure president he's going to to open up the the box of secrets before he leaves office and every time i see that i put in there i have a hundred dollars on paypal and i'd be willing to bet anybody out there one hundred dollars that this will not happen guess how many takers i've gotten we're going to play the sound of crickets ladies and gentlemen yeah crickets would be good look you know it's it's true i actually saw online the following exchange and i'm going to summarize it but prior to the election everybody was going look if hillary clinton gets elected and bassett was pushing this on some radio shows he was on She's the disclosure president because of the Lawrence Rockefeller thing and the Clintons and all that. You know, Bill couldn't do it, but Hillary would. Okay, good luck, Steve. But I think he was on Tim Benall's show, too, and he was like, this is going to happen. Trump can't possibly win the election. Hillary's going to win. And then, boom, it's, you know, it's disclosure. So, okay, Trump wins the election, or as I like to call him, Dr. Zayas. And not as smart as Dr. Zayas, but he looks a lot like him. 
And so Trump wins and you think, well, OK, this must the disclosure people must be um, for many reasons, probably. But certainly for the disclosure reason, must be thinking this is the apocalypse. Right. We'll never yeah, hear it because Clinton was our teeth. <laughs> yeah. Clinton was our disclosure person. Nope. They immediately pivot and they say, you know what? Trump's our disclosure person. Why? Because he's a change agent, because he's he's outside the system. He's going to drain the swamp and, you know, all that stupid stuff that he says. But he's not bound by the by the elites or anything which is laughable, but, you know, he's the disclosure president. And I'm thinking, you know what? You could have elected Dr. Zayas. Like, you really could have elected the Dr. Zayas, the mythical fictional character, and they would have said he's the disclosure president. They could elect me and I'd be the disclosure president. It wouldn't matter. These people will always find a reason to believe, and in some cases, and I think this is true of the people who propagate this stuff, to push it forward so that they can continue to make money off it. It's almost like, you know, Hitler's view on war or the Nazi view on war, Goering in particular. A perpetual war is a good thing because it keeps people ginned up and nationalistic and everything. You always have an enemy to fight. You also sure, keep the it, military contractors well-fed because they're building all that great military hardware. But I'm also thinking yes. of the boy who cried wolf. And let's go into that in our next segment as we continue this discussion. We've got Paul Kimball with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if there were no contracts, no activation fees, no tracking, tracing, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G LTE networks. Introducing PixWireless.com. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, and unlock GSM phones instantly. Bring your own device and make the switch today. Here's how. Call or click 1-800-205-9513 or PixWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X. PixWireless.com. 
Fully cooked, ready to eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready to eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready to eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at fullycookedbacon.com. Fullycookedbacon.com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. We use cell phones against our heads every day. But now, a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So let's continue with that. What about Paul Kimball, the boy who cried wolf phenomenon? How many years can Stephen Bassett say, this is the disclosure president. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen this year. Before people say, you've been saying that already for 20 years. Give it up, man. Well, the people who would say that were people like me that would have said that at the very beginning. So we don't matter to him. Again, this isn't meant to be critical of President-elect Trump, but I'm just going to use him as an example. Everybody, and I was one of them, who considers themselves, you know, I have degrees in history and political science, I'm informed on American politics, I've studied it, and I was convinced, as the pollsters were, as everybody was, that Trump was going to lose, and that he was probably going to get hammered, but he was definitely going to lose. Oh, P.S., he did lose the popular vote, but let's not get into that, um, because you folks don't live in a real democracy, and neither do we here in Canada, because we have a first-past-the-post system where people can get elected to Parliament with, you know, 38% of the vote in any riding. So we all live in this mythical world where we actually think everyone's vote counts equally. But he told so many obvious flat-out lies and contradictions and stuff. And we just said, people can't possibly keep swallowing this. So, you know, he would lie about one thing. He'd go, this, this is the Rubicon line. This is it. This is his red line. Nope, apparently that didn't work. Well, then this is his red line. Oh, no. And I remember when the thing came out with the Billy Bush and coming off the bus and the, and the horrible things that he said in that clip, everybody said, that's it. He can't possibly survive this. And he did. Because the people that were going to vote for him didn't care. Or 
they wanted to believe so badly in the overall narrative that he was selling, which was change of a certain sort, that they were willing to overlook all of these other things that should have been giant red flags that would have said, oh, my God, we can't possibly vote for Dr. Zayas. The same thing is true in ufology. So Stephen Bassett, I don't even know if his mind works this way, but I'm a business person, so it would work this way for me. Bassett would look and he would say, you know what, I can say almost anything because the people who would be offended by it or would roll their eyes, they're not supporting me anyway. But the people who are supporting me, the more I give them, the more they, they buy into it. So I'm just going to get more and more outrageous. Greer has done the same thing. He's gone from being, when I first saw him speak in 2001, I sort of thought he was a little out there, which is an understatement, but he was very nice to me. In fact, I just sent, uh, folks will be able to see this on the Paracast Plus. I turned it into a film all these years later, the interview that I did with Greer back then. And he sounds more or less sane and rational and sensible, even though every now and then he'll say something a little weird. So... 15 years later, Stephen Greer is looking at dead alien babies, and he did that film where he has the guys with the guns, and he goes, I have the dead man's trigger, you know, or whatever it was. That's That was his progression. And so you would think that nobody would ever listen to Stephen Greer again because he just went nuts. No, he doubled down on what his audience wanted to hear. He figured out what his audience was, like most good con men, and he said, I don't care about anybody else. I just, I'm going to give them what they want. And that will just make me more popular. It's a tried and true tactic of con men, whether it's in politics, which is what you folks have now, or whether it's in business or whether wherever it is. And so that's right. what these guys have done. And they've been very successful at doing it. And, and there's no there's way a number of them. And they're huge. They're hugely popular. Uh, David Wilcock. You've already mentioned Greer and Bassett. But another one, David Icke. I, it, it's just amazing to me that that he fills Stand-in-room-only crowds and 1,500 uh, to 2,000-seat theaters. And then keeps them in there all day for eight hours. The first four hours, he talks about how it's really important to create your own reality correctly. And then the second four hours, when they come back for lunch... He, he just totally freaks everybody out with all this, uh, you know, the, the Queen Mother used to eat babies, and now Queen Elizabeth is a reptoid and all this stuff. And it's, there's just a little bit of cognitive dissonance going on. It's amazing to me that people are, are so gullible or they suspend their disbelief to, to even, even even the slightest bit of degree when, when they buy into this stuff. It, it's just, I don't know, it, it just never ceases to amaze me. Ike is a very interesting cat. It's uh, glad you mentioned him because I actually like David Ike. And folks are probably going to go, "What? Paul Kimball likes David Ike?" No, I don't believe you know that the lizard people are taking over the the world or whatever. But Ike's one of those. He's the one guy that I sort of sometimes wonder: Is he in on the joke? Like I, I think most of the disclosure people are either true believers or they're out for making money. Some of the things that Ike says, many of them are problematic, and some of them are very disturbing. Actually, again, talking about some of those anti-Semitic undercurrents that take place within ufology. But part of me wonders: Is David Ike sort of doing some sort of Jonathan Swift kind of critique of everything? He's making it as part of this fantasy parable that he's constructed. And I don't think most of the people who go to his lectures think that way. So I think they probably take him at face value. And that's probably why Ike is not doing what I think he's, you know, might be doing, what a smarter person could do, what a more interesting person could do. But I have to say, when I, I've listened to Ike speak, he's charismatic, as many of these people are. He's a captivating speaker. He's interesting. And I can see how they sort of get taken along with it. And when I listen to it, I go, you know what? 
if I pull this out and this out and this out and this out, not all of it, but some of what he's saying, I could reconstruct that in a film or a lecture yeah, or whatever. Yeah, make a great screenplay. In a sort of social critique of our modern day society that would not be dissimilar to some of the things that the situationists were were coming out with in the 1960s, you know, critiquing the society of the spectacle and stuff. At the end of the day, I kind of came to the conclusion that that's not what Ike's doing, but it sounds like what he's doing, if you understand what I'm saying. There is a place for that kind of stuff. And frankly, I think in our modern society, we can't tell the difference anymore. Yeah. People can't, and this gets back to Gene's original question, I think so many people just can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not anymore. And that gets back to the fake news, where more people seem to be getting their information from fake news than they are from real news. And then you sort of say, well, what's the real news anymore? Because Fox has an agenda, MSNBC has an agenda. It's hard to find a media outlet on television that doesn't have some sort of agenda, usually to drum up ratings. Newspapers, which are dying, are the last real refuge of true journalism. And that's probably why they're dying, because people don't want real journalism. They want entertainment. Well, that's the whole point that I saw happening when I first started in broadcast journalism. TV stations, radio stations in the U.S. had to prove they were operating as a public service in order to get your license renewed. You had to have a public file, allow the public to look at it, and demonstrate to the FCC that you had content in the public interest, not just the DJ chatter or talk shows. You had to have something in the public interest to justify your license. Then they decide that cable companies had to originate their own content. And then it was public access. Anyone could get on there if there was room on the cable TV network. I know I hosted a TV interview show when I worked for a radio station that owned the cable TV system in a particular town just outside of Philadelphia. And then later on, they demonstrated that just like regular TV networks, cable networks could make money, run ads, or sell content at a premium rate, monthly charge, like HBO and Showtime, and make money. And then with Rune Arledge back in the 70s and 80s, ABC News essentially merged with the entertainment and sports divisions. So it was demonstrated right there that news could be a form of entertainment, could be a profit maker, and then you had this problem all over the place, local TV stations with happy talk news and everything. It was all about marketing. It was all about entertainment. And without getting back to politics, because people hate when we talk politics, the head of CBS News said that one specific politician in the last election got a lot of coverage, not because he was newsworthy or they believed in what he was saying, but because it was good for ratings. Right. I think it's important not to lose sight of the, what was it called? Equal time, I think, was uh, a stipulation that the broadcast media had to uh, provide equal time for dissenting views. And during the early years of the Reagan, you know, the first Reagan administration, the first four years, that was uh, repealed by Congress. And so that's when you had the demagogues, uh, both on the right and the left, uh, started to appear, the Limbaugh's and, and others. And they didn't have to provide a sort of equal time to dissenting views, um, and especially in, in the um, uh, the national news. It, it became very insidious. And, and I think the way that they were very, very smart and cagey about how they've, they've gone ahead and slanted um, their particular editorial position on issues 
I, I think for the average person, they, they don't really recognize it. And and they're slowly kind of inured into into the propaganda that they're being fed. And, and unfortunately, you know, most people aren't like Paul. They're not like me. They're not like Eugene. They don't actually... Number one, um, have the time or the inclination or even the know-how or the motivation to really find out. More with Paul, Gene, and Chris. You're in uh, Le Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Are you retired or facing retirement and you're afraid your income is going to be less than you'd like? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and I want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current schedule, creating extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're continuing here with, I guess, the end of broadcast news as I knew it when I was a young whippersnapper with Gene, well, Paul, and Chris. It's been a slow, slow downward slide for the sure. last 30 years, really. It hasn't been really apparent, I think, for most people. Of course, you know, everybody on the left says that, that the, the media is, is right wing and everybody on the right says the media is liberal and leftist. You know, it all depends on, on who you choose to listen to. And unfortunately, because of that equal time 
stipulation that used to be really stringently enforced by the FCC, I must say. And I think it's a combination of that and the um, consolidation. I think during the Reagan years, they they allowed um, you know corporations to start acquiring and, and becoming having sort of monopolies in local markets. And then, of course, under Clinton, then you had the the real consolidation of uh, media in this country. And now most major media outlets are controlled by, I think it's six different uh, corporations. Um, instead of back in the early 80s, late 70s, it was uh, almost 2,000 uh, separate owners of major media outlets. And now it's been consolidated down to six. Paul, you might correct me if I'm wrong there. I, I'm pretty sure that that's fairly, fairly correct. Clear Channel is a, is a classic example. And of course, the and I don't want to get in again to, into the politics, but I think when you overlay this kind of societal, it, it's almost like the polarization is going on. And when you when you put that into the uf- ufological realm, in the paranormal in general, you have these really polarized camps that um, really will stick to their guns about one particular um, belief system or, or slant that they that they feel intuitively is often the <laughs> when I ask people why do you think you know why do you believe what you believe I mean what what is it about about your belief in this that's that's made you so fervently you know convinced that this particular opinion you have is is correct and and pretty much most people say well, I intuit it, or it's my intuition tells me that this is so. Not that I researched it, and I've done a lot of digging, I've done a lot of reading, I've, I've, I've really dug into this, and I've, I've made an informed opinion, as Paul was mentioning before, but people feel it's it's this way or they intuit it's this way and that that's <laughs> that's major like klaxons aren't you know alarm bells and everything else go off in my head when i when i'm starting to hear this more and more i don't know what, what do you think paul you're finding that too that people sure. are just you know intuiting oh that it's just you know it sounds right well i intuit stuff too for instance should i have a cheeseburger tonight or a pizza that i just go with what my literally gut is telling me but because you can't you know they're both bad for you but the republic was founded i'll pretend i'm an american for a second but our our democracy you know canada was founded too all of our the western democratic systems were founded and this isn't political this breaks out into everything we're talking about so it could be about politics but it could be about ufo's and ghosts and everything else too it was founded by men they were all men who had this idea that you would have an educated enlightened citizenry so you would have people that would be educated in politics history philosophy these things mattered back then so in your case the founding fathers for instance were by and large all Today, we would look at them and say, you guys are the creme de la creme. You are the elites, which they were back then, too. But they were educated, and you can disagree or agree with their opinions and and place them in their own context of their time. But one thing you can't say is that these were folks that didn't have a breadth of knowledge as it existed at the time. We don't have that anymore. So I had this long conversation with a friend of mine about how I believe that business has no business being taught in universities. Now I know that's you know that's never going to change, and I'm I'm preaching to against the winds of, of of what's going to happen. But to me, 
And I suppose maybe even there, you could teach it there. But at the same time, you have to make sure that those people who are coming out with MBAs and business degrees and whatever, they should be getting a liberal arts education. And I use liberal with a small L, not political, but philosophy, sociology, history, politics, so that civics, so that they can have a broader understanding of our society and how it works and make more informed decisions about the things that really matter. And the things that really matter are not about whether you're going to open a new franchise down the street, but about how you're going to vote and how you want to structure our world. So, you know, within ufology, the same kind of thing is true. That here's an interesting question for the people on your forums or who are listening now who consider themselves, even if they wouldn't use this word, to be believers, who accept maybe, say, the extraterrestrial hypothesis as the extraterrestrial fact for the UFO phenomenon. Okay, that's fine. You have an opinion. Fair enough. Ask yourself this question. How many UFO books have you read? Then take that number and split it into two categories. How many pro-ETH books have you read? So, for instance, Stanton Friedman's Crash of Corona would be a pro-ETH book. Actually, any book by Stan. Any book by Kevin, for instance. Then ask your Rich Dolan's books. Then ask yourself, okay, how many books by skeptics have I read? So, Carl Sagan, or if you won't really want to go back, Donald Menzel, or any of those guys. How many of those books? Have I read The Condon Report? cover to cover. You don't even have to read it cover to cover. Have I read Condon's conclusions? You don't have to agree with them, but just ask yourself, have you looked at both sides of the argument before you came to your conclusion? Not a condensed version of the other side's argument or not what somebody told you their argument was, but the actual argument that they made themselves. Now, if you've done that, if you're listening or if you're reading on the forums and you've actually done that, then we can have an interesting conversation. I might agree or disagree with you, but at least we're coming from an informed sort of perspective. But if you haven't done that, then we can't have that conversation. We were at the 2007, I was at the 2007X conference, and Nick Pope and I were sitting in a bar afterwards, and uh, both of us were speaking there, and these folks came up to us, and they were nice and friendly, and they wanted more or less to talk to Nick, but I was there, so they were talking to me too. And they wanted to talk about 9-11, and conspiracy theories about how it was all an inside job, and blah, 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 all of this. And at one point, Nick just looked at them, because Nick kept going back to the 9-11 Commission report and saying, well, in the 9-11 Commission report, they said this and this. And these people were totally dismissing the 9-11 Commission report. So Nick asked a very reasonable question. He said, well, have you actually read the 9-11 Commission report? I have. Paul, have you read it? I went, yes. I was agreeing with Nick, by the way. So I said, yeah, I've read it. And these folks looked at us and they said, no, why would we read it? It's full of lies. And, you know, maybe it is. <laughs> but Nick just looked at them and in as polite a way as Nick Pope could be, said, no, how many of you have read the 9-11 Commission report? And they all looked at us and said, well, none of us. Why would we read it. It's full of lies. And so Nick and I both looked at each other, kind of, ugh. And Nick said, well, I've read it. Paul, have you read it? And I said, yes, of course I've read it. And he said to the people that we were sitting across from, well, see, we can't really have a conversation about this, can we? Because we know what we're talking about, and you don't. You don't have to agree with us. You can think the 9-11 Commission report was complete BS, but if you haven't read it, you don't know that. All you're doing is listening to what somebody's told you to say. And they got very offended by this. Nick and I sort of were quite amused by their offense. And they said, well, you're clear. I think they actually said to Nick, you're clearly part of the, the cabal or the, you know, you're one of them. And they didn't really know who I was. So I guess they assumed I was one of them, too. Maybe I was Nick's handler. So anyway, they got up and they stalked off which was great because they were really, really tiresome to talk to. 
And then they had ordered drinks, though. So the waitress came by with their drinks, and they had already left. And she she said, well, where did they go? And I don't know. So she left them on the table. Nick and I got a free drink out of it. And sort of Nick just kind of turned to me, and he said, well, that worked out nicely, didn't it? And so, you know, there's always a happy ending to some of these stories, because if you can chase off the crazy people who don't know what they're talking about, then sometimes you get a free drink out of it, which is really cool. That is, of course, if you want free drinks. I really would prefer to Diet Coke, but that's just me. You know, so, I want to just mention something here, and we'll get into it in our next segment before we go on. And that's about a segment that we did on After the Paracast with Nick Pope. Now, to really know what I'm talking about, you have to be a member of the Paracast Plus, because this was, as I said, an episode of After the Paracast. And to learn more about the Paracast Plus, just go to plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. And I want to get to that in our next segment, because it's fascinating the kind of reaction or non-reaction we had, and that goes back to the object lesson of your little encounter with him, and then the encounter with these 9-11 skeptics, as it were. Gene, Chris, and Paul, you're in the Paracast. The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's l-e-m-k-e soft.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. 
Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or any time, Newmana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only Numana Storable Food for an entire month. Online at PowerPrepper.com. That's PowerPrepper.com. Experience the Numana difference. America-made food stores all love to eat. Yum! We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So sometime back, Chris had a problem with making the recording session for After the Paracast, and I see Nick Pope's online. And I drop him a note. Hey, Nick, you want to come on after the podcast? Sure. But how would you like to talk about something different? Because it turns out that if you look at Nick Pope's site, among his areas of expertise is conspiracy theories. But more often than not, he'll subscribe to the conventional explanation. He's looked at both sides. He decides that the Kennedy assassination was the lone gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald. We can get into that later or not. That 9-11 was pretty much as was concluded in the 9-11 report, but he's looked at both sides. And he gives his opinion. And he talks about what he considers to be real conspiracy theories. And you can't believe the negative reaction we got in the forums. Nick Pope is a tool. Because he worked, of course, for the British Ministry of Defense. All right, that's one thing. Nobody ever actually, not a single person, went to the episode and talked pro or con about any of the points. They just said, Nick Pope, we dismiss it. That's it. End of story. Nick wouldn't mind as long as he got a free beer out of it. That would well, be perfect. Well, there is that, but he was a couple hundred miles away, so I couldn't give him one. No, didn't work out that way. Look, you know, this the same thing is true of anybody who talks about these things. I remember being at the Aztec UFO Symposium in, I think it was 2004. I went there for three straight years. And I was filming, but I was also speaking. And I walked out one night, a guy named George Green pretty sure that was his name, was speaking there. And he was totally, it was this, if you combine Jeff Rents, David Icke, Stephen Greer, and Joseph Goebbels all into one, that was this guy. And his his theories were out there, he's totally loopy. I was just trying to be a polite Canadian. My brother was with me too, and we were trying to be polite Canadian. So we were outside talking to him about anything other than what he had talked about. And these these two people came up, and they were sort of, you know, in their 40s, and they kind of looked, I hate to say it, but they kind of looked like hippies. Walter Bosley now would go, hippies. 
And they wanted to talk to him, but they turned and asked me, you know, what do you think of what George Green is saying? Well, when asked for my opinion, I usually give it. So in the politest way possible, I said, well, I don't really agree with it. And I don't think he's, you know, he's right. And I pointed out a few mistakes, just basic history errors that he had made in his presentation when he was trying to cobble this story together or lies. I don't know which it was. And he got really offended and he stalked off, which, again, perfect, you know, mission accomplished. But these two people then went into this tirade about me and said, well, are you one of them? And I went, one of who? And they said, well, one of the men in black. And I went, no, not that I know of. I'm not getting, no, I don't think. Jim, am I a man in black? I said to my brother, he said, no, no, not really. And they said, well, we have this book and here it is. And we want to give you a copy. And it was like a little pamphlet. And it, it listed everybody they considered a sort of part of them, the government agency, and sort of why. I remember thinking, well, okay, that guy might actually be a government spy. Pretty sure that guy isn't. Then I got to Nick Redfern's name. I went, Nick Redfern? And the reason for why Nick Redfern was a... So I said to them, Nick Redfern? He's a friend of mine. Why Why would he be? And as soon as I said he's a friend of mine, they went, oh, well, you clearly are one of them. We're going to put you on the list, which they eventually did, by the way. They put it online, and eventually I wound up on their list. But the reason was because Nick Redfern always wore black. And I just thought... Are you guys kidding me? Nick Redfern wears black because he was a punk rocker from the United Kingdom in the 1970s. It's built into his DNA. You know, Morrissey, I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside kind of thing. What? And so this was the kind of thing, though, that you would get confronted with. And again, there's no point in talking to these folks unless you're studying them as a sociological group or something like that, which is perfectly valid as an anthropologist or cultural anthropologist. You know, you can't really have a conversation with them. So they they didn't stalk off. They gave me the book, which was nice, or the pamphlet, and then they kind of just wandered off, which is what hippies do. I was standing there with my brother in the parking lot outside where they were holding the symposium in Aztec, and we just both went, we have really fallen through the looking glass, haven't we? Like, we're further down the rabbit hole than we've ever been, and we had been making films about UFOs and the UFO subculture for about three years then. So we just went back to the hotel and and had a beer with some of the speakers who were you know, more sensible people. I think Stan, Carl Flock was there. And you could have reasonable conversations. So we would go back and there's Carl and Stan who disagreed on almost everything. And Carl being ex-CIA and ex-Department of Defense, Stan having worked under security for many, many years. And never once did it cross my mind to sort of say, hmm, I think you're both part of them. But then I pulled out my book the pamphlet that I'd just been given. And I said, hey, Stan, did you know you're one of them? And he went, one of who? I went, them. And Carl, did you know you're one of them? And he said, oh, yeah, no, I've known I'm one of them for quite a while. But, you know, we all had a big chuckle about it. And, I, you know, it's like Bruce McAbee was there. Hey, Bruce, do you know you're one of them? Everybody who was speaking at that conference, except for George Green, was one of them. You know, that's kind of the weird world that some of these folks live in. You just kind of have to smile and laugh and, and just take it with a grain of salt as best you can. Well, one time a former co-host of the Paracast, who shall go unmentioned, he was on with someone who was suggesting that someone said that co-host may be a CIA agent. At that point in time, that co-host hung up the phone. But I don't want to get back into things like that. I think it's ridiculous. I know they used to say our old friend Jim Mosley was one of them. Because his dad, of course, was a very high muckety-muck in the U.S. Army and very right-wing and anti-Semitic, except that most of Jim Mosley's closest friends were Jewish, as I can personally attest. So not like father, like son. 
But we can see there the mindset with the reaction to Nick Pope. What did Nick Pope do wrong? I mean, he seems like a nice, kind, gentle guy. And you can take what he says seriously or not. But he's a gentleman, and we don't have enough gentlemen in this field. Nick's an entertainer, first and foremost. And he's also a researcher. And he's got a base of information. I mean, when you want to talk to Nick about the military, there's a ton of stuff Nick won't talk to you about because he's still bound by the Official Secrets Act. I respect that. Carl was the same way. Carl Flock. There were a ton of things that Carl would only go so far in talking about because he was still bound by the secrecy oaths that he had made in the CIA or the Department of Defense. And Stan, I'm sure, is probably the same way too. Stan is probably still bound by some secrecy oaths that he made when working in industry on top secret projects. Anybody who's worked under secrecy would be, you know what? I worked for the government once. There are things and had absolutely nothing to do with secrecy. It was about the film industry. I was in the film funding agency. I won't talk to folks even 16 years later about how I treated their files back then. I'm not bound by a secrecy oath. I just consider that something where you say, look, there's a privacy to that. I'm just not going to talk about that. So I don't hold those things against them and nobody else should. What you should do, though, is say, look, Nick Pope has this tremendous reservoir of experience and knowledge and research, and he was there. And I know people have criticized him for saying, look, you weren't really the Fox Mulder of the UK. You were a junior desk officer, and they sloughed the UFO thing off to you. Maybe there's some truth in that. Maybe between what Nick says he did and what those critics of his says he did, there's the middle ground of what he really did. But the truth is, even his critics don't deny that he was involved at the UFO desk, whatever that was. So he comes from a place of knowledge and experience that you should respect. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. And just because he worked for the government, that he's still doing it. So the reason why people say that stuff about Nick, usually I find is because they don't agree with what he's saying. Whereas with Stan, you could take that same person and Stan would be saying something very pro-ET or whatever, and they would agree with him, even though Stan worked under security, just like Nick did. In some cases, I think Stan probably worked under higher security than Nick ever did. More to come with Paul Kimball, Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. From the pages of the Bible comes a terrifying account of an ancient beast that was half man, half demon. It is returned in a best-selling novel, Nephilim, by L.A. Marzulli. Indiegogo presents you with an opportunity to get involved in making this supernatural novel into a major motion picture. Join journalist Mac McKenzie as he travels halfway around the world to uncover the truth about aliens and demons. Join our Indiegogo campaign to get Nephilim made into a movie. Go to Indiegogo.com, hashtag Nephilim. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Winter has just begun, and are you already tired of being cold? How would you like to never be cold again? This is Dale with Fortress Clothing, and I'm here to tell you, you will never be cold again with Fortress. If you're tired of freezing your butt off, elk hunting, sitting in a tree stand, deer hunting, winter camping, fishing, ice fishing, no longer fear the cold. 
If you snowmobile, ski, snowboard, get Fortress. Sledding with the kids, shoveling the walks, shopping, or if you or your spouse get cold feet at home, get Fortress. If you're stuck outside working in the cold or find yourself in an emergency situation, get our winter bug out bag and you will never be cold again. Fortress is the answer, so quit complaining and go to FortressClothing.com. It's a mid-layer garment that goes with anything you want to wear. Enter coupon code RADIO and get 20% off any item. Go now while we still have inventory. FortressClothing.com Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So then, depends on your point of view whether you believe these people to be a tool or not. You could say the same thing about one of the original purveyors of the theory of a silence group and military secrecy, that being Major Donald Kehoe. Because he was a major with the U.S. Marine Corps, sure. He had been retired for many years before he got into the UFO bandwagon. He was also a fiction writer. He wrote Pulp Fiction in the 40s. So maybe we should have thought that Major Kehoe was just writing fiction, presented as fact with his UFO theories. Of course, that was not true. I've been accused of it. I mean, I see this uh, from time to time online because I don't buy into the the ETs are coming down and mutilating cattle. 
that I must be a disinformation agent, that I'm I'm some sort of uh, cutout who's there to you know take people away from the direction that it's that they want to believe, uh, you know, the, the the rationale for their belief that aliens are coming down and gathering cattle parts, which I, I think is the least likely scenario. I know Paul and I have have talked about this, where where Paul's very very skeptical about about the reality of the majority, I think, of, of mutilation cases based on the Canadian study, the Rama report, and some other very, very skeptical sort of whitewashes, in my, my view, especially the Rama report, whitewashes of, of, the, uh, of the so-called mystery. But after doing quite a bit of research, uh, you know, kind of going through that process that we were talking about earlier, uh, and amassing uh, quite a bit of, um, I think, very, very good information, um, I've come to the conclusion that we are not dealing with something that's off-planet, that we're dealing with something that's much more uh, closer to home. And the very fact that I say that and disagree with the popular prevailing view makes me the bad guy. And so people, from time to time, I see people just lamb-blasting me about how, oh, you know, you're obviously a disinformation agent, uh, you know, put up to it by by some agency. Or oh, you're just you're you're just a disinformation agent. All this and it's it's like wow, <laughs> you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It, it's just it, it, you can't win. So I don't I don't really uh, buy into it. I, I don't really care. Uh, and I think Paul's like this too, and Greg and Nick, uh, for that matter, uh, Nick Redfern especially. We don't care really what people think uh, if we have enough time and inclination and motivation to really research and investigate a particular subject and look at both sides of the equation dispassionately and as objectively as possible, when we come to a conclusion, we'll stand by it and we don't care what anybody else thinks. They haven't done the work. So, you know, again, we're, we're kind of going around and around here a little bit, but um, I think by and large, the bottom line for all this is, is we need people to be informed. And the only way to get informed is to get off your ass and start Digging into this information, select your sources wisely, and become informed and do the work. You know, I've got a huge library of books that that are both pro and skeptical on all sorts of subjects that range from religious miracles, conspiracy, all sorts of paranormal subjects, politics, sociology, history. I mean, I've got a huge library, and uh, and I they're not there for show. Most of the books I've read more than once. You know, I think it's really important for people to to to, to do the work. Uh, you know, everybody has you know opinions are like rear ends. Everybody's got one, but uh, you know, I, I I think an informed opinion is is uh, worth a lot more. Well, sure. You mentioned cattle or animal mutilations. You and I disagree on what that means or what the answer is. But I respect your opinion even if I disagree with it, in the same way I respect Stan Friedman's opinion when I disagree with it, because at least you guys have done your own research. And so maybe you draw a different conclusion than I do. That's fine, because you can't expect everybody to agree with you. So people who do that kind of thing are going to sometimes draw different conclusions. That's fine. The way I always did the filmmaking when we were doing Fields of Fear, which was the film we did about Canadian cattle mutilations, and Fern Belzil, who was an investigator out in Alberta, and a very nice man. And I built into that a trip to Puerto Rico, where we were going to go down, and we did go down, to look in the Chupacabra mystery. 
And we took Nick Redfern with us. He was our sort of chupacabra expert. And we got another guy, Orlando Pla from uh, Puerto Rico, who was the local expert, a civil engineer, I think, but he had an interest in the chupacabra phenomenon. And so I said, well, look, if I'm going to go down and look at this, I have to look at all of it. So great. We'll interview Orlando, who was sort of skeptical. We'll interview, and I can't remember all their names now, but one of them in a city called Mayaguez was the lead police officer, I think he was a police lieutenant, who had investigated cattle mutilations for the Puerto Rican government. And he was very skeptical. He said, wild dogs and everything. Fine. So we interviewed him. We went and interviewed a biologist at one of the local universities who had looked into it, very skeptical as well. We interviewed him. And then we went out into the field and we interviewed eyewitnesses. And in some places in very isolated rural locations. In fact, my brother was driving the van that we were all in and he almost backed it up off a cliff because he didn't realize the cliff was there. It was jungle. And uh, there was a cliff and the guys in the back of the van went, whoa, 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 whoa. And they could see the cliff because they were looking down. So uh, that's one of those memories I sort of still cling to whenever my brother says I don't get him enough for Christmas or something. I go, you know. But that idea that you have to interview. And so I wanted to talk to representatives if you will, from all sides. And then I drew my own conclusions about chupacabras, which tend to favor the skeptical answers, but that's me. But I put all that information in the film, which was rejected by the network because they said, you just need to focus on Fern Belzil. I went, fine. So I later cut uh, online only, it's on the internet somewhere, the Island of Blood, I called it. And that contained a lot of the Puerto Rican stuff. But the idea was, look, my opinion doesn't really matter, does it? I sort of have a perspective as a filmmaker, but I've given everybody more or less equal time. So out of that, now, if we all watch the same film, we can all come to different conclusions. So I know a lot of the people watching, for instance, Best Evidence or any of the films I made will come out with different conclusions that I have. I would also say that a one hour long film is is not the end. It is merely designed to kind of inspire you to go out and do more research and to look into this if it interests you even more, because you can't cover everything in an hour. That's the way you have to look at it. As you say, Chris, you have to look at both sides. So you can read the Rommel report, and I can read the Rommel report, and we can both find different things in it or come to different conclusions. But it's like the 9-11 Commission report. At least we both read it. So we're talking from the same starting point. If you hadn't read it, or if I hadn't read it, and we were saying something that the other one disagreed with, well, then that's not really a conversation. No, Um, it's not. And when I go into my particular investigative process, I've I've armed myself with 13 suggested rules of of investigation that I kind of documented discovering as I, as I became a field investigator. And um, I, I did that on purpose because I wanted my readers and anyone who followed my work to hold me to those 13 suggested rules of investigation. And I believe the sixth one, was kind of the hardest one, I think. It should have been earlier, but the fact that it was number six, um, I think it's still the most important rule, and that is always assume a mundane explanation. <laughs> and right. then allow the facts to prove prove that wrong. If you know what I'd like to do in our next segment, and we have to break in a moment, I'd like to do in our next segment, because we're kind of acting like we're in the middle of the story. And I'd like to get back to the beginning and maybe the next segment have you, Paul, and you, Chris, better define the differences in your point of view. Not that they exist or using some similar sources, but the fact that you have these differences and let's kind of give our listeners more of a focus on that. And we'll do that when we get back in maybe another 
couple of minutes or so. In the meantime, let me tell you about the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. You subscribe for $4.99 a month or by the year or by five years or a lifetime. And you get a lot of special features such as the commercial-free version of this show, the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, where you never know what's going to happen next. We also have videos, some from Paul Kimball's Other Side of Truth, including that Stephen Greer video he mentioned, which is a 20-minute interview that will go up probably by the time you hear this show. With Gene and Paul and Chris, you're in The Other Side of Truth. No, the Paracast. (laughs) Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. Have you ever thought you'd like to flip houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? Are you ready to be your own boss so you can start living the good life? 
Hi, I'm Preston Neely. I used to be so broke. I had my electricity turned off nine times, but I figured out a way to quit my job and find financial freedom in real estate. For a limited time, I want to send you a free copy of my smash hit selling book, How to Get Rich in Real Estate. It shows you how to copy exactly what I did so you can make money from the comfort of your own home without even doing any manual labor. I've already given away 5,000 books and they're going fast. To get one before they're gone, call 1-800-958-9256. Listen, if you're sick and tired of stressing about money, this book could change your life. It's short, fun to read, easy to understand, and awesome. To find out how to get your free book while supplies last, call 1-800-958-9256. Call 1-800-958-9256. 1-800-958-9256. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, guys, Paul, Chris, Gene, into cattle mutilations, and we see that Chris O'Brien and Paul Kimball are coming from different sides of the argument. Paul, would you define your differences with Chris, and we'll let Chris follow up. I could. I have to say, the animal mutilation thing is not something that is particularly, I, I don't want this to sound as pejorative as it's probably going to sound, interesting to me. I don't mean that to sound in a bad, it's just not a focus. I, I did it like, what, eight, nine years ago when I did Feels of Fear, and it kind of, it sort of stopped there for me. The conclusion I drew then has not been changed since, which is, I believe, that the vast majority, the overwhelming majority, predators, scavengers, and, you know, I can reference, there's a Canadian veterinary journal report that I had never seen referenced before, but which I went out and found that was done on fairly extensive research by veterinarians um, from the University of Alberta and I think the University of Wyoming. So it was a cross-border thing. And they came to the same conclusion. Um, You can agree or disagree with the Rommel report, but I talked to a number of uh, veterinarians and biologists, and, and they all said the same thing. So I accept what they told me, because I'm not one of them. I'm not an expert. But you know what? I've never gone out in the field and done it myself. So I have... Fernhead, for instance, uh, the subject of the film that we were doing. So I, I, I didn't just dismiss it casually, and I suppose I leave a small amount of room. The one area I suppose maybe where Chris and I could agree on is that it's not space aliens from Zeta Reticuli. I think that's Chris's view, and it's certainly my view. And I suppose I leave a little room open over in the corner of my skepticism for the possibility that some very small number of cases might be outside the norms of scavenging and predation that might have something to do with testing the cattle population for diseases that might have an impact on the food chain and eventually might have an impact on humans because we consume them. And that that might 
be something that's being run by the government. And of course, the government would never want to admit that there might be a bigger problem than we already know that there has been. The Canadians in particular would be well aware of the impact that it had on our cattle industry when just a few cases were found in Alberta some years ago, and it basically shut down the Canadian cattle industry for a not insignificant period of time. I'm not even sure it's completely recovered yet. So, you know, I leave a corner in my skepticism for the possibility that that might be happening. That's kind of where I approach it from. The, the vast majority, I think, are scavengers and predators. But I, I would leave a little corner open over there that that might be possible. And I can actually understand why the government would do that if that's the case. Chris? I agree. I think the media, once it gets a hold of a wave of reports, generally the beginning uh, cases of a flap tend to be the legitimate ones. Then you have cases that appear to be almost red herring cases to kind of keep law enforcement, brand inspectors, uh, livestock uh, board uh, investigators running around chasing their tails. Uh, these cases seem to be uh, red herring cases. Depending on how the media reacts to uh, these cases, whether it goes from just local news stories uh, to regional to, to statewide or province-wide uh, media outlets, that's when the uh, scavenger, the mundane cases tend to be reported and, and they every dead cow that people see becomes a uh, the latest mutilation. You know, the, the kind of the fear is ratcheted up um, and people with uninformed, uh, untrained eyes are seeing something that they, you know, it's like windshield pitting uh, in Washington State, the uh, the James uh, L. Stewart uh, study on, on um, a mass collective delusion. There is a lot of that going on. And I do agree with Paul that uh, once people start looking, they hear that there's cattle mutilations uh, supposedly going on, uh, then they're, they're more apt to notice a down cow. They don't know what they're looking at when they see a cow uh, that's been scavenged uh, by birds, insects. And uh, then you have the whole sort of uh, echo chamber that then starts ratcheting up the, uh, you know, the the rhetoric about it and, you know, the news stories and everything. I absolutely agree. However, there is a true mystery at the heart of this. And I do uh, agree with Paul that the most likely source, I, th I do think there is something paranormal really uh, that's extremely rare, but it does occur. I think there is something paranormal at the heart of it that may somehow be somehow related to um, a response from some sort of governmental group that's uh, monitoring these things. Um, I think it's something that's been occurring since ancient times. Uh, I, th I think there's enough evidence uh, to suggest uh, prior to any sort of monitoring for mad cow disease or outbreaks of, of hoof and mouth disease and, and these types of things. I think back in the 1600s when hundreds of sheep were being found strangely uh, mutilated uh, and their inner parts taken during the reign of James I, for instance, or the, the, the wave of cases in Ireland um, that were blamed on wolves uh, that hadn't really existed there for uh, over 100 years. There's enough historical evidence to suggest that there may be something truly high strange and, and potentially paranormal at the heart of this. I think in the modern era, uh, you know, post-67, 
when prion disease escaped uh, from biophysical laboratories out into the environment, uh, <laughs> oops, then I do think that we do have a, a, um, a real concern by the part of the largest income producing sector of agriculture uh, in one of the most powerful lobbies in this country that you'll never hear about. A very powerful lobby up in Canada, um, the beef industry, that you do have, you know, a, a real fear of prion disease um, breaking out in the food chain. And since the only way to detect it is through a postmortem test, obviously this is very, very <laughs> troublesome. Uh, you can't just test cows. And people say, well, why don't they get their own damn cows and get, you know, put them out in their own pastures? And they do. <laughs> but if you're testing for something that's occurring in the environment, you have to uh, you have to sample a you know a, a large amount of rangeland, um, and you can't have your own cattle and 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 stuff in 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 your own rangeland. I think there's other things going on here too as well, Paul. And um, you might just consider this. There's a good there's some pretty interesting evidence to suggest that the the cattle mutilation meme, if you will, um, at, from time to time has been utilized by large ranching concerns to uh, terrorize smaller ranchers and drive them out of business, force them to sell their, their, um, their land. Um, 75 to 80 percent of cattle operations that were uh, thriving in the mid-70s when the average uh, North American was eating over 100 pounds of beef a year. That was the height of beef consumption and the height of the numbers of cattle in North America. Um, at the height of the cattle mutilation wave, you, you'll have the height of, uh, of beef consumption and, and uh, the numbers of, of cattle in, in North America. And at that, that was the point when you started to see uh, the beginning of real consolidation of of cattle raising uh, and beef concerns, and I do have some very good evidence that um, at least one rancher was <laughs> using the mutilation uh, operation, if you will, to attempt to drive out ranchers and terrorize them. Um, the ranching community is some of the most reactionary and right wing and militia prone communities in uh, at least in this country, and um, I think that. Using the mutilation um, scenario as a potential form of intimidation, of uh, you know, it's it's funny how prion disease was spread in some of the most uh, uh, militia and uh, right wing counties. Let's say in in uh, in the Midwest, for instance, uh, areas of high incidence tend to be where there's there's uh, pretty radical right-wing militia groups and uh, and to allow the prion disease to get out in the deer and elk <laughs> might be a way to <laughs> cull the population of reactionaries. I, it, it's very complicated. And um, unless you do the work, unless you really get out there and and one of my best my best skeptic was the head of the New York State Veterinary College, Dr. John King. And I'll tell you, this guy, he said, I want you to prove me wrong. And I sent him sample after sample, and he would tell me, well, it's probably this or it's probably that. Oh, it's definitely this. It's definitely that. But there were samples. He said this was cut with a sharp implement. So um, all the, all this information is in my book. That's why it's um, half a million words and 600 pages. Um, it, it's a very, very complicated subject. And, and like getting back to the topic of our conversation, unless you get out there do the work um you know i'm i'm up somewhere around 200 cases uh, that i personally investigated and uh, researched thousands of others um collated together 12 different databases from some of the uh i think the better 
uh, investigators. I didn't include Fern's work, although um, I, I do know, I haven't talked to him in years. It's a lot more complicated than, uh, than one would expect. We got more to come on a lot of things in the world of paranormal with Paul Kimball, Gene Steinberg, and Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com. Virtual care anywhere. Today, living in the United States means that your online privacy is at risk. Regaining that privacy means going abroad. Privacy Abroad offers secure online privacy because our servers are located in Switzerland, a safe haven for digital communications. As a law-abiding citizen, you have nothing to hide, but you certainly have something to lose. Regain your Fourth Amendment rights and your peace of mind. Go to patriot.privacyabroad.com now. That's patriot.privacyabroad.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, all this raises the problem in getting all this across to people. And it's about the fact that they want a fast talking point about UFOs. It's easy to say, okay, they're spaceships. The government is keeping the truth a secret. That's the talking point. But as soon as you get to the complexities, well, it's this, that, and the other thing, and don't forget this aspect or that aspect, you lose people, which is very sad. Well, it's, you know, going back to the cattle mutilation thing for a second, my real interest in animal mutilations began and stopped with the alien thing, because that's what I was looking into. Fern very much believed, by the way, that aliens were doing it, that it was an alien thing. And there were other things involved, but he was in that. So that was the 
the focus of the sort of research that I was doing to see whether that was true or not. And that goes back to Linda Moulton Howe and stuff. And, you know, one of the best interviews I ever did with Kevin Randall over the years was when he talked about cattle mutilations because he had investigated animal mutes for APRO back in the 1970s. And he came to the conclusion that it was overwhelmingly scavengers, predation. There were no, there was no alien involvement. Now, he, he probably leaves some room for terrestrial, non-scavenger predation kind of answers that might involve conspiracies because there are real conspiracies. So if I wanted to hide you know, the possibility that there's mad cow disease out there or that it might be more prevalent than we think it is or that we're doing research into it, then sure, you would create a cover for it something that could be easily dismissed, like space aliens mutilating cows. And we know that this has been done because the United States government, and I assume other governments have done it, with the UFO phenomenon to cover up testing of secret airplanes and stuff. So they would encourage the UFO stories because if somebody saw something that was five or ten years ahead of whatever we thought we had flying around in the skies, well, sure, call it a UFO because then folks won't ask too many questions about maybe what that really is. Carl Flock told me something interesting once. We were kind of talking about this, and when it came to technology, Carl's sort of line was, whatever you think we have today is anywhere between 5 and 15 years behind what the military-industrial complex has already developed and is working on. So civilian applications are lagging behind what the military is doing. And he said eventually most of that stuff winds up in the civilian realm once it's it's no longer cutting edge. And, you know, I took everything Carl said pretty seriously because he had worked in the intelligence community and in the Defense Department at a senior level. And so... Yeah, the government uses these things and has used these things for years to cover up other things that they don't want us to know about. And it comes back to something about your president, Zayas, that I read um, the other day when the whole Hamilton brouhaha was coming up. And everybody, including most of my Facebook friends, were posting, this is either terrible, the vast majority of them, like, go away, Donald Trump. Um, stop criticizing Hamilton, the cast, blah, blah, blah. Or there were a few people who were saying, well, Trump's right, and these people shouldn't have said what they said. doesn't matter. This person who uh, was either the New York Times or the New Yorker, I think, who said, look, you're missing the point. This is a distraction. Now, did Trump send Pence there on purpose, thinking that maybe this would happen to distract from something else? Who knows? But when these things pop up, sometimes organically, smart politicians will take advantage of them. Well, what else was going on at that very same time? Trump settled his Trump University court case for $25 million. Should have been a huge story, like massive. In fact, to me, a story that potentially disqualifies you from holding the presidency. He made $150 million on the deal. Right. <laughs> exactly. Good business, bad ethics and morals. we got to keep away from the politics, but the misdirection we should get into. Right. Well, I'm circling back to that. So you see this throughout everything, and I think you're about to head into four years of seeing it all the time. But he's not the only politician that has done this. Tony Blair was infamous for saying, look, drop bad news on a Friday because nobody's paying attention on a Friday afternoon to what the news is. So it's all about misdirection. But the UFO phenomenon, every you know, people have done that, and the cattle mutilation thing, I have no doubt that there's some element of that uh, going on as well there. I think that's the part that's always interested Greg Bishop, right, more than yeah. anything else, is the kind of games that the intelligence agencies in particular are playing with people. And so Greg and I have a difference of opinion on Bill Moore. Greg sees him in one light, I see him in a much different light. 
but there's no question that Bill Moore was involved in some way, shape, or form with some very hinky-jinky stuff with the intelligence agencies. So were they using him? Was he using them? Or were they both using each other? Maybe a little bit of all of those things. But that's that's a fascinating part of the UFO story that so many people now kind of forget. And they do it in politics, they do it everywhere else, because they're so obsessed with the distraction. They're so easily distracted yeah. that they don't really kind of say, hey, it's like a card game or a, a magic. If you ever go to the Magic Castle, and you're a friend of his, has Paul David's ever taken you to the Magic Castle in L.A., Chris? No, I've actually never spent time with Paul in California. Oh. He was my landlord. I know. I, I, years. <laughs> I heard that in one of your old interviews. You should go to L.A. and ask him to take you to the Magic Castle because he's a member. And so you go in and there's all the best parts are the re, the card tricks because they're in much smaller rooms and you can really get right down almost right across from the guys doing the tricks. He's taken me there more than once. And I swear I have never been able to figure out how those guys are doing it because they're masters and they will tell you. We're not going to tell you how you did it, but we distracted you. And I don't even know what the distraction was, but that's how they get the trick done. And so yeah. this that's true in politics and government, but it's also true, very much true, I think, in the UFO phenomenon and in the cattle mutilation phenomenon and any of these things that we think of as paranormal. You know, having been gone out and done ghost investigating, too, it's the kind and going out again next year because we've just got a new television series that starts oh, uh, starts film. Thank you. We, Holly and I are back on the beat. We start filming. All right. I love the footage of the, the orb <laughs> or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Orbs are interesting. I mean, I don't buy orbs. Well, the, the particular one in your film, it's, it's not your classic you know, digital artifact. I mean... It's the story, and I'll post, I think the clip is online, so I'll post this on the, your Paracast forums just so folks can see, rather than me describe it now, which would take five minutes. But it's the context of, of how that particular case came about. But it's easy, even when you're out investigating ghosts or stories of ghosts or whatever, to get distracted when you're out there doing it. And for Holly and I, it's always a very personal thing. Yeah, we have the tech and everything. But for us, it was about, can we experience something? Can we interact with something? And it's it was a year that changed my thinking on a whole bunch of things, because I did have experiences. But you, you've got to be focused. And it's so easy when you're sitting there or you're doing something to get distracted by something else. And yeah. it really, you know, as we went along with the series, Holly and I became much more focused and yeah, well, so we methodology did, is really yeah. important. Methodology is is absolutely crucial for all these uh, types of investigative pursuits. Yeah, well, and just keeping your mind sharp, like you're always on. Like when you're out there, you, know, you can take a break, let's go have a coffee, let's have a tea or whatever. But when you go back out there, you're on. And it's almost like being a musician, because you and I were both musicians, Chris. If you're playing live, every song matters. Every moment yeah. of every song matters. You can't you shouldn't, at least, if you're a professional, take a moment off. Same thing with directing a film. Well, the same thing is true with researching. If you're out there in the field or if you're in an archive or wherever you are, you've got to focus. And that's what you're there for. Then, when you're done, we'll go home and watch television or whatever. And unfortunately, I think in our modern society, so many people conflate the two so that the focus has, has dissipated. And that's where you run into the trouble of what we were originally talking about, fake news versus real news, fake reality versus real reality, which is just reality. And then there's the possibility, of course, which is why I love talking to Greg, who I interviewed yesterday for The Other Side of Truth, um, 
you know, we always come back to talking about whether reality is reality. Our perceptions, the idea of co-creation, the idea of interacting with advanced non-human intelligences, all of that stuff is the really cool mind-bending stuff that I love now. So here we are. This is not a criticism of either of you two guys or even me. It's self-criticism, I guess, of myself. We spent an hour, an hour and a half talking about, you know, all of these very, not depressing, but kind of Blah. They're just no fun. It's dark and uh, serious, and these people are bad, or blah, blah, blah. I would, it's, it's not what interests me anymore, even though I just did it. What really interests me is the gee whiz conversation. So I, I often tell folks now, I say, look, if you're not having fun when you're doing this, you're not doing it right. If your mind isn't at least a little blown by the possibility of life after death or aliens on other planets or or whatever, then you're, you're in the wrong business or you're in the wrong, you, you should yeah. go do something else. Because this should be fun. This should be exciting. This should be mind-blowing and thought-provoking. And if it isn't all of those things, then you shouldn't be doing it because you're not doing it right. Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien, Paul Kimball, you're in the Paracast. The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's l-e-m-k-e-soft.de slash gene. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year, You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. 
All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's gonna get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah! No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-848-6333. That's 800-848-6333. uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. This is a sort of discussion that may continue into after the Paracast because we'll never get it done. Talk about the sense of wonder I think is the thing that attracted me to UFOs. Oh my heavens, maybe we are being visited by E.T. and there's something going on here and we need to understand it. And then you get in the weeds and you have all these side issues like men in black and abductions and get pretty dark and dirty. And, you know, I think that's another reason why people want to take such a simple view of it. Okay, there are spaceships, we've got this going. Because as soon as you get into the rest of the stuff, some of it can be mighty, mighty depressing. But then that also raises the other question, too, which is, how do you interest young people into seriously looking into these subjects, not just watching the reality show or hearing the occasional short bit on a TV news show? I mean really looking into it. How do you interest them when 100,000 will go to Comic-Con? and see the stars of Supergirl and The Flash or the DC movies or the Marvel movies? Well, they are interested in it if they go to Comic-Con, if they're a fan of Supergirl or the Marvel movies or whatever, because they already have a mind that is inclined to thinking about big things and big questions. So do they have to take an interest? I mean, in the old days, like 10 or 15 years ago, I was an advocate for the serious scientific study of the UFO phenomenon, blah, blah, blah. Not so much anymore. Now, I'm just kind of cool with sitting down with people. And I know lots of young people who are really jazzed about the idea of alien life. And they love talking about it and space exploration. And even the idea that maybe it's come here, although that I think is less in their focus than the idea of us going out there. But either or, maybe we're somebody else's aliens. Maybe that's the way you, hey, if we can be somebody else's aliens, maybe somebody else's aliens have are already been ours. But, you know, I think they're already interested in it. What I don't think they're interested in is 
UFO conventions and all of the stuff that belonged to a different generation, because that stuff is the equivalent of 1930s jazz music to a generation that's listening to Kanye West now, if you get my drift. You're just speaking two different languages. They consume information differently. They talk about things differently. They shine a light on different areas and have different focuses. They put it all together. They deconstruct it and then reassemble it in a different way than my generation would have. And because, Gene, you come from a generation before mine, your generation would have. I mean, each generation deals with it differently. So when I hear older guys, I don't mean you, Gene, but usually a lot of UFO researchers and even some younger guys in their 40s say, how do we get youth interested? Well, my answer is they're already interested. You just wouldn't know about it because they do it in different ways than you do. But if you ever run into one of them and sit down and talk to them, which I suspect most of these older UFO researchers don't do, you would understand that there are a lot of kids interested in things that might be called UFOs or the UFO phenomenon, the broader idea of life beyond our planet or life beyond our our mortal coil. You're not speaking the same language they are. You're not going to the same places they are. And you know what? You never will. You're never going to be able to get them to come to your UFO conference. That's not how the mountain's not coming to Muhammad. And you're Muhammad. So you have to go to the mountain. And I told Stan years ago, I said, Stan, you've got to get a Facebook page, a website, a Twitter account. These are the things that if you want to connect with younger people, you need to do. And he just looked at me and he said, well, I have a website. It never gets updated. But Twitter and Facebook, no, I don't really see, you know, it's not me. And I went, that's fine. But understand that you're in a different world than younger people are. Well, that's going to be diminishing returns there that the people who go to a traditional ufo convention and i'll mention the international ufo congress coming again this february and we like open minds and we like alejandro rojas but he's not getting the young people and how therefore do we go to the young people and talk with them on their terms obviously facebook and twitter is one thing instagram all the rest is that the way to do it Sure. Well, it's constantly evolving. Anybody in the media industry, like I just said, Facebook and Twitter, right? Those They're are old two now. Things. Everybody yeah, uses yeah, that. Yeah, now it's Pinterest and Snapchat. And- yep. You can't keep up. So all yeah. you can do is try and have the information out there and frankly sort of assume that, that there's probably the same number of people, I suspect even more now, interest in it in their own way than there was in years past. Because the information's all out there. It's much easier for them to access it for good and ill. And I I actually have a reasonable amount of confidence in the ability of most young people, because I work with a lot of young people. I like hiring young people for my film crews, for instance, because they're the ones with the energy and new ideas and maybe aren't as confined by the old way of doing things. And I'm one of those guys who always wants to try doing things in different ways. So that means I'm constantly renewing my crew and constantly trying to work with younger people. So I'm not saying I have a, a... a great insight into how they think, but I think I might have a better insight into how they think than most people my age. You just kind of have to say, look, you go do it your way. We'll do it our way. Film festivals are the same way. We started this conversation, Gene, you asked me about, or Chris mentioned the arrival and we got off on the film thing for a bit. Older people go to theaters. Younger people generally more and more are consuming films on their tablets, not even on their computers their, or televisions, on tablets. That is foreign to me. The idea of watching a feature film on an 8x11 or whatever the size of a tablet is, no. 
Having said that, I do watch Netflix on a tablet, so even I have started consuming in different ways. But that's the same thing is true of UFO conferences. They're the equivalent of the big box theaters. And there's a certain group of people, all of whom are, or almost all of whom are older, that will go to those things. But the younger people, they're consuming it in different ways. Yeah, and so it's I think, going to have to transition to a virtual realm. Sure, and we're in the process. All of society is in the process of that transition. It's not just UFOs, it's politics, it's everything. And so it's learning. It's edu- how we educate people. And so we're all in that process. People think it's over in two or three years. No, we're in a... I think the historians in the future will look back and say this was a 50 to 60 year transitional period, much like the Industrial Revolution, where things didn't change overnight. They changed over a period of time. And then a new normal eventually sets in. I'm probably not going to be here when that happens. I don't think any of us will. But we're in the midst of this massive change in technology, how we interact with each other. And that does have an impact on how UFO information is disseminated and how people express their interest in a particular well, just information in general. I mean, like yes. you're pointing out, we're midwifing the process uh, in a sense. It's our generation that's come up with the tech and the kids are the kids are getting the, uh, you know, the wonderful opportunity to uh, to grow up with that tech. And of course, a lot of this tech came from uh, the 60s, the use of psychedelics, um, a lot of these jump starts in technology came from those hippies that you and Nick uh, love to uh, cast scorn upon. A lot of that tech was uh, very visionary, and uh, they're just they're growing up in a wonderful age of instant access to information, incredible miniaturization of of technology, and uh, amazing you know speeds of processing and and just the gobs of of storage space. I, if I ever hear a kid say, I'm bored, there's nothing to do, you don't hear that anymore. The kids are so consumed with their tech that, you know, it's not like when, when I was a kid playing with Lincoln Logs and a Rector set and, I, I don't know, we didn't even have Legos. You know, we, we had we had a bike, a basketball, a, a, a mitt and a glove, and the, and the great outdoors, and lots of books. Let's and- break here and we'll talk more about this. We have questions from our listeners also for Paul Kimball on the other side. Like his show, The Other Side of Truth, with Gene, Chris, and Paul. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality, American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury help desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention heartburn drug users. If you or a loved one has taken Nexium, Prevacid, or Prilosec to treat heartburn, acid reflux, or indigestion, and suffered serious kidney damage, chronic kidney disease, or kidney failure, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Studies from the JAMA Internal Medicine indicate a significant increased risk of acute and chronic kidney disease from taking proton pump inhibitors. If you or a loved one was diagnosed with kidney failure or chronic kidney disease after taking Nexium, Prevacid, or Prilosec to treat heartburn, acid reflux, or indigestion, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk now. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Call 800-225-8944. That's 800-225-8944. Again, 800-225-8944. Call now. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, I think of my son, for example. He lives in Madrid, Spain. He's got so many activities, most of which I can barely comprehend. And so we don't hear from him very often. But at least when he comes by once a year, he does pay us a modicum of attention. In a little while, Paul, we've got questions from our listeners that Chris will ask, and we'll get to those in a moment. But it's good to consider the possibilities here where we old, crabby old men sitting in a room talking about the good old days. And maybe the good old days are now we just have to learn to 
see the new things and new technology. And let me tell you about watching TV on things other than the big TV set. I have an iMac here. And every so often I watch a TV show on it. Because if I'm sitting there a foot away from it, it's as big to me as the 50-inch TV from 10 feet away. Yeah, my only concern with all of this is, and this relates to a much broader thing than just the paranormal. In fact, you know, politics is much more important than the paranormal. Unless, of course, the paranormal is real and then it's ultimately more important than anything. But I'm not one of these cranky old guys who says everything was better when, because then I'd be a Republican. You know, actually, things weren't better back then. History has been a pretty constant series of improvements in terms of our lot in life, in terms of the accessibility we have to information and other things like water and food. The problem is, and the one thing that does concern me with all of this technology, and it it gets into the conversation of what kind of alien, look at this, here's the Bill Clinton pivot again, what kind of alien culture we might run into, because they would be more technologically advanced than us. So then you would have to say, well, okay, where are we headed? What does our future look like? Because that might be what their future looks like. And that might mean we'll encounter, say, a future version of ourselves. And our future sometimes to me looks bleak, only because of the way that the technology is changing how we interact with each other. So it concerns me in a political sense that technology makes it easier, I think, for demagogues to arise and disseminate information that is not true. And that is always what demagogues rely upon. Anyone who studied the rise of Hitler, for instance, would know that. It concerns me in the way that people interact just individually. So when you don't have conversations anymore, I went to a hockey game with a very good friend of mine. He's like 24, great young filmmaker. I consider him my protege. And we had a good time at the hockey game, except he, more often than I would have liked, was checking his messages on his phone. Now, I didn't complain. I didn't chastise him. I just went back to watching the hockey game. But it it irks me partly because I still think it's rude, even though I understand that's how people act now. I like the idea of just being away from all that technology and having a conversation. And it seems like we can't really do that anymore. And talking about conferences or talking about going to theaters, although it's harder in a theater, but conferences are good things. Film festivals are good things because they bring people together and you can have that kind of face-to-face interaction with folks, which I think is still important to keeping our basic humanity alive and also being able to put a face to a name, to a point of view. So I can interact with all sorts of folks on the Paracast forums. Jeff Davis, there's a good example. So Jeff Davis, on your political thread, has a certain set of views with which I don't agree. I said, in reaction to something he said, this is me apologizing to Jeff, I think I said something like, I don't respect your views because you don't respect mine, whatever it was. And I I think he took offense at that, and he probably should have. You know what? I shouldn't have done that. But I don't know Jeff Davis from a hole in the wall. I think I'd like to meet him. Maybe we should all in that thread get together over a beer sometime and you can start to understand that maybe these aren't all bad people or or that we don't all disagree on everything. But the internet, it just magnifies those things, right? And it focuses you on maybe things that aren't as important, which is why, Bill Clinton pivot again, that I actually think the paranormal is still relevant because it's one of those areas that still forces us to ask the big picture questions, Are we alone in the universe? What does it all mean, Alfie, as the famous film said? You know, with ghosts, are we mortal and we die and there's nothing else? Or is maybe there's something beyond this for us, which is the existential question we all have to face? And there aren't a whole lot of places left anymore where those kind of questions are being asked because everybody's so 
consumed and so paying so much attention to just the mundane things in their daily lives. And technology has made that easier for them. Weirdly enough, technology should make it easier for them to also consider the much bigger questions. But it hasn't worked out that way yet. Maybe it will. But I'm not sure I like the way it's going. So the paranormal might be one of those last refuges where we can have those kinds of conversations. And by the way, we're going to get another station for the Paracast, a radio station in Wyoming, which will be carrying us towards the end of the year. We'll have more details later on. Chris, there are a bunch of questions for Paul in the question bank forums at forum.theparacast.com. But Paul, because of the fact we only have a segment and a half left, I'm going to have to ask if possible, and I know it's difficult to keep the answers short. Chris? Well, this would be a good one. This comes from Harry Newton in London. Harry's uh, extended a a wonderful uh, offer to me to, uh, if I come over to London uh, for a little get-together at some of the Paracasters uh, in the UK are having, he's offered to show me around and put me up. Uh, Thanks, Harry. Shout out to you. Yeah, I mean, you can make this as (laughs) as short as you want, but he's wondering what your favorite cryptic case or incident is, what's your favorite ghost case or or incident or location, and what's your favorite UFO uh, case. I'll skip the cryptid one. You know what? Not true. My favorite uh, cryptid, and I'm not—I don't believe they exist, but I'm curious to go and find out. The Mongolian death worm. I had a conversation with a, a world traveler and adventurer named Ian Evans, who has a great film out. You should go see it if you can. Called Lunatic. He wants to go to Mongolia and bike across Mongolia. And I told him, "Well, I've always wanted to go to Mongolia because of the Mongolian death." Mongolian worm. death worm. <laughs> and he had never heard of it. I was going to do a film called Top Ten Monsters. It was going to be my yeah. follow-up to UFOs. And the Mongolian death worm was number three on that list. Love the Mongolian death worm. So that's that's my cryptid one. Best ghost story. Anything that Holly and I investigated, well, not anything, there were a few duds. Shocklack Church, there you go. And I've talked about this on a past episode of the show, I think. But you can find it online. I think that episode is online. So much weirdness happened to Holly and I in one night that it was as if something was uh, playing with us. And it was one of those nights that really opened my eyes to a whole new range of possibilities. That is a church in a, it's not even a village, it's just the, the middle of nowhere on the Welsh border over in the United Kingdom, England, the English-Welsh border. So, Shocklack Church, look that up. Watch it online. I think that's online for free. I think I put that up. And favorite UFO case or best uh, UFO case? That's an ever-evolving answer. Frankly, at the moment, if somebody had to ask me, I'd, I'd probably say Shag Harbor here in Canada, just because I spoke at the Shag Harbor UFO Symposium about two months ago, and so that's fresh in my head. But it's also one of those great cases with a lot of moving parts, some things yeah. that we know are true, and then a bunch of other stuff that are stories that may be true or may not be true. We're not sure. No, but Really well documented. Yes. And, there's, and, and the other thing, too, all things are personal, right? I know... At least three of the witnesses who were involved in the case in Shag Harbor, including Lori Wickens, who is the guy who made the first phone call to the RCMP, and I've spoke to him at length on a number of occasions. But my business partner, my co-producing partner in Halifax, Ron Foley-McDonald, and I've written about this, was a small kid. He saw the Shag Harbor UFO over Halifax. Now, Halifax is about two and a half hours from Shelburne, which is the Shag Harbor area. It was, a, it was a sighting that happened not just in Shag Harbor, but it happened all over Nova Scotia over a prolonged period of time that night. Chris Stiles had an encounter that night as well, The, the one of the two key Shag Harbor researchers with yeah, Don Ledger. life. 
Yes. So when you start to know people who tell you, look, I experienced that because Ron is older than me. I go, really, Ron? Then it becomes more personal to you. And that that sort of puts it in a different different level. Paul, you mentioned this very quickly in a previous segment. But once again, you're going to be working with Holly on a new ghost show. Yes. And if we're lucky, we can go do the Mongolian death worm, too, because I can't get enough Mongolian death worm. It's awesome. Yeah, we have another series. We just got commissioned to do a new series called Haunted, which will look a lot like Ghost Cases, probably. We start filming in February, so it'll be available in Canada in October of next year. And hopefully the U.S. Hopefully somebody will be smart enough to carry that. I look forward to seeing the show. We have one more segment to spend with Paul Kimball, and maybe we're going to kind of prevail on him to stay with us for after the Paracast to talk about more stuff because we just don't run out here. Got more to come with Gene, Chris, and Paul. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have... A Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality. Great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if there were no contracts, no activation fees, no tracking, tracing, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G LTE networks. Introducing PixWireless.com. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, and unlock GSM phones instantly. Bring your own device and make the switch today. Here's how. Call or click 1-800-205-9513 or PixWireless.com. Spell P-I-X. PixWireless.com. People who can afford a LASIK procedure sure are lucky. Imagine being able to throw away your contacts and glasses. Imagine waking up tomorrow with 20-20 vision. Too bad everyone can't afford LASIK. 
Well, guess what? There's a company that agrees with you. TLC Laser Eye Centers is now offering great prices on high-quality LASIK to make it affordable for everyone. That means you get the latest FDA-approved all-laser LASIK technology for less than what others charge. And if you call right now, we'll schedule a free appointment so you can discover if LASIK is right for you. Results may vary. Call 1-800-933-1427. Even better, if you're one of the first 100 callers, ask about an extra $400 off your all-laser LASIK procedure. That's $200 off per eye. We've already performed over 2 million procedures. Let us help you. Discover how you can get the quality LASIK experience you deserve for less than what others charge. For your free appointment, call 1-800-933-1427. 1-800-933-1427. Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if there were no contracts, no activation fees, no tracking, tracing, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G LTE networks. Introducing PixWireless.com. Activate your Sprint, AT&T, and unlock GSM phones instantly. Bring your own device and make the switch today. Here's how. Call or click 1-800-205-9513 or PixWireless.com. Spelled P-I-X. PixWireless.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. How time flies when you're having fun. That almost sounds like a silly cliche, but I know it's true when Paul Kimball comes here. It's just a, a wonderful, enjoyable session with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Chris, you have more questions from Question Bank. We do. Um, Canna Karras is really interested in your opinion on the very, very intriguing aerial school sightings in Zimbabwe. Why don't you go ahead and remind our our listeners uh, about the case of the kids. A really good daylight sighting. I think it was, what, in the se- late 70s, wasn't it? Honestly, first thing my dad drilled into me when he was drilling things into me was never answer a question that you don't know anything about or pretend you know anything about. I'm familiar with the case, i.e. I know it exists. But beyond that, I hate to disappoint Kanakaris, but I, I couldn't offer an intelligent comment one way or another because I've never really looked into that case. Yeah, I think the UFO Congress, was it last year, Gene, or the year before, one of the kids who's now grown up, uh, came and for the uh, gave her very first public uh, presentation about the case. Of course, John Mack uh, is is fairly well known as as having gone over and investigated it. It is a very interesting case. But here's one I know you're going <laughs> to be interested in, Nancy. This is from Wade, one of our longtime posters at the Paracast, uh, where you can go ahead and log into the Paracast forums, go to the question bank, and. You can uh, post questions for our guests. Wade wants to talk synchronicity. He says, I'm pretty sure I've heard you touch on this in relation to UFOs. But he says, I wonder if he's ever heard of a synchronistic occurrence in relation to other paranormal phenomena. Uh, I would like to ask if some have supposed that UFOs might have a kinship with other paranormal phenomena, why people don't report this occurrence with Bigfoot or ghosts or such. So in other words, he's he's wondering about mixing and matching, uh, I think, different disparate paranormal phenomena, if you will. What's your opinion on that? 
Wow, that could have been the first question of the episode and we'd still be talking about it because it's basically the theme of my book. I wrote a book called The Other Side of Truth after I was done with the ghost hunting thing. You know, it's funny. You've been on Radio Mysterioso. Whenever we go on Radio Mysterioso, there's always the sirens, right? Every as, time. As soon as you asked me about synchronicity, I heard a siren, which you, your listeners might be able to hear through my mic, coming. Well, it sounds like several sirens. So even there, there's a little bit of a synchronicity. There's an entire chapter in my book where I talk about synchronicity. And you know what? Because it so blows my mind, and I've made as much money off the book as I'm ever going to make, I will post that online, that chapter, by way of answering Wade's question, because it would take me far too long to get into, so that the readers of the Paracast can read that chapter. I am fascinated by synchronicity. I've had it happen to me more times than I can count. Walter Bosley, Greg Bishop, and I had this, I talk about it in the book, this thing when we were on Radio Mysterioso, and I was in the midst of this, I call it a run of synchronistic events that I was noticing. It was happening to us in the studio, even as we were talking about it in a truly weird way. You can go back and listen to that show. Greg has it in his bank somewhere from a few years ago. I, I mean, I could tell you synchronistic stories over and over and over again. It's gotten to the point where my fiance, who's not particularly interested in my paranormal adventuring, I mean, it's just not a focus for her. She's moderately interested, we'll say. Even she finds the synchronicity stuff weird. As soon as I make her aware and tell her these stories, she has noticed it start to happen to her as well. Greg and I have had these long conversations over the years about whether they're all, it's always there. And when you're tuned into it, you notice it more. My overarching theory is that it's this advanced non-human intelligence, whatever it is, trying to make itself aware or trying to make us aware of its presence, but not in a direct, as we would say in the film business, on the nose kind of way, but in a much more elliptical way that challenges us to think. Again, why I think the paranormal is one of those last places that really forces us to ask big questions. Synchronicity is, is part and parcel of that. It might be the most personal one because it always seems tailored to you. So I don't know how much time we have left in the segment. And any synchronicity story that I would tell you probably runs about four minutes. You but know what? I'll, We've I'll got about that. three and a half minutes left, and we can always pursue some more stories on After the Power cast. Go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one real quick. The Coles Notes version. My fiance is from Prince Edward Island. Uh, her family, her sister and I, her still have a home there. It's a province near Nova Scotia. You have to take a ferry or a bridge to get there. We go there every summer. One of my oldest friends from high school also lives in Prince Edward Island, small province, but he lives on the other end of where she lives. I, I have never to this day visited him in his home, even though it's only an hour away from where she lives. I'm a terrible friend. But so we're driving over two years ago and we took the bridge and the bridge is on his end of the island. So it's the Confederation Bridge, one of the seven modern wonders of the world. For the first time in my life, I made a wrong turn off the bridge. It was night, and it was the road that led into his town. And as soon as I got on, I went, ah, this is, I just made the wrong turn for no reason. I wasn't paying attention. So I turned around, got back on the highway, and headed to the other end of the island where Linda lives. But we, Linda and I were joking about this, saying, huh, that's as close as I've ever gotten to visiting Jeff. So the next day, we're driving north from her place to a national park, Greenwich National Park, which the sand dunes are amazing. You should, if you ever get a chance, go there. She and I had had this fight over what to listen to, classical music on CBC or pop music on this 80s channel. I prevailed. And so we were listening to all these music. Three Dog Night, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, dum, 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 comes on. As soon as that song comes on, 
a frog jumps across this isolated country road right in front of my car. Literally, as he said, Jeremiah has a bullfrog. This frog jumps out in front of the car, slam the brakes on. We both go, well, that's weird. Funny thing, my friend that lives in Summerside, he and I, when we were in high school, used to sing that song all the time. We'd go like, Jeremiah is a bullfrog, because it's just kind of a cool song. I used to play it on the ukulele. Moving on. We get to the National Park. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's close to closing. There's almost nobody there. And there's this van in the parking lot. I park next to the van. I get out. I walk away. There's people in the van, but I don't notice who they are. I get to the uh, park ranger's desk inside. Linda goes to use the washroom. And I'm standing next to this woman. And I look over and I realize, that's Jeff's wife, my friend. He's in the van in the parking lot. And so I go on, it's like, wow, Linda comes out, her mind is blown. And again, it's the story, right? Any one of those things I chalk up to a coincidence, all of those things happening within a one-day period, to me, that's synchronicity. As I joked with Jeff, I said, I think somebody's trying to tell me I really need to come down and visit you at your home one of these years. He's, he's not a paranormal guy, but even he said, Paul, you're in a weird place right now. I'm taking my family. We're going home. We'll talk soon kind of thing. So... <laughs> All of that happening the way it happened, and that happens more often than you would think. And so I think, you know, maybe because I opened myself up to it, I see more of it than most people do. But I think it's the one paranormal thing that we can all kind of tune into if we really want to. It still freaks me out. Good you know point. what we should do, Paul, is hold you over and on the next episode of After the Paracast, we continue with the discussion of synchronicity that can be open-ended. We can go on for 30, 40 minutes, no problem. In the meantime, Paul sure. Kimball, could you tell our listeners, other than the Paracast Plus, where we've got other Side of Truth content for audio and video, where they can find more information about you? The easiest place would just be to Google Paul Kimball in parentheses. My paulandrewkimball.com website is not about anything other than politics anymore because I'm running for elected office up here in Canada. So when I talk briefly about politics, I actually put my money where my mouth is and I got involved, which is what I think we should all do. But just, yeah, Google my name and the websites will pop up and they'll be there. Or my handle on the Paracast forums. I have the two, my company website and my, uh, my personal website. They're underneath my profile. And he's on the Paracast forums as Paul Kimball. Yes. We insist he use his real name. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Yes, we are on Twitter. We're on Facebook with a pair of Paracast fan clubs, a group and a community. You can define that any way you want. And as we mentioned, we have a second radio show called After the Paracast. And that's where sometimes we'll continue interviews like we'll do with Paul here. Or we have just... Chris and I or some other guests and I chatting about one thing or another. It's unpredictable. We also give you the commercial-free version of this show where we knock out the 41 minutes of network ads with better quality audio. And all this joy now includes content from The Other Side of Truth, Paul Kimball's podcast. And he just did a new one that will go up in a few days by the time you hear the show. So you don't want to miss that video content and more for a low price. $4.99 a month on a month-to-month basis. Or you can subscribe by the year, by five years, or for the rest of your life. We'd love that. Go to plus.theparacast.com. You don't need all the other stuff. Just plus.theparacast.com for simple sign-up instructions. Paul Kimball, we'll be talking again soon. Thanks for joining us on The Paracast. Thanks for having me. Nice talking to you both, Gene, Chris. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much.
Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>